0: What is up, dolphins fans, and welcome into the Monday, January the 20th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football, and on today's show, it is is Senior Bowl Week, and although I won't be there, it's still one of my favorite weeks of the entire year. We'll take a look at the offense on today's show, go over the names, and tell you who are the best fits at each position for your Miami Dolphins, plus some context clues into what kind of offense we could expect to see under Chan Gailey, the player in Mobile this week that fits that offense to a tee, and I'll explain why Miami ought to say F it with regards to frugality this offseason in free agency, and we'll recap Chan championship weekend, busy show, all of that and more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and TuneIn, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review, follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL, voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, by Dolphins Twitter, check out the show at Locked Fins. we'll follow you back, and of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, we have the Senior Bowl preview up there right now for the offense, defense, coming tomorrow and we'll recap all the practices throughout the entire week Miami my first point of contention on the podcast today is talking about Miami's free agency approach this offseason and we've received somewhat mixed signals from the Dolphins themselves in regards to their approach to the open market and spending exorbitant amounts of money on imported players from other programs. And while Chris Greer and Brian Flores have both mentioned they're going to look for players that make this team better and they have the cap space and the picks to do whatever they want and they didn't just set themselves up in this position to not be aggressive in free agency. But on the other side of the coin, they've also mentioned that they don't want to go out and overspend, overextend themselves and they're still going to be frugal and adhere to their own budgeting principles and budgeting allocation they have for each position and I'll never argue against that idea because you should always have boundaries you set for yourself in free agency or the draft or whatever it is in any profession especially in this one that gives you a limited amount of resources I still believe the Dolphins should be aggressive in free agency for one big reason the new CBA coming down the pipe, which will basically be here in time for the 2021 season, unless there's a work stoppage, which I just do not see happening because the NFL has too much to lose through a work stoppage, but you're going to have a new rookie wage scale most likely. You're probably going to have bigger, more guaranteed contracts, even some fully guaranteed contracts like what we saw with Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, and there was a note on the Move the Sticks podcast a while back about how Howie Roseman of the Philadelphia Eagles likes to get deals done early, especially ahead of this new collective bargaining agreement. And the Miami Dolphins, to me, even though they were not attached to that idea in that segment of that particular podcast... To me, they're following the same exact mold of Howie Roseman because we saw Jakeem Grant and Jesse Davis get probably premature contract extensions this past summer. Davis, I think, has worked out so far. Grant, not so much because of the injuries. We saw Alan Hearns giving an in-season two-year contract extension. Very cheap for him at that slot receiver position. We saw Eric Rowe extended as a very cheap safety contract when he was in the midst of changing positions and having success as the safety. We saw them give Xavier Howard a contract in the offseason. And that was the big money one, the big top of the market, top of the line free agency dollars. And that might be the biggest indicator for what the Dolphins want to do here, because in reality, that contract is actually great for the Dolphins, even though it's a top of the line cornerback contract, but it gives them options to get out of that deal before the real money kicks in. Whereas if you gave that contract out post new CBA, you might be fully guaranteed. And all of a sudden, if Xavier Howard has knee issues, or I hate to say this legal issues, maybe you can get Out of that deal. That's why this is always a better situation to pay too early than to pay too late. Like, for instance, look at Rashad Jones and what has happened with his contract here in Miami and how quickly things have soured with him because the Dolphins paid him for what he did before, not what they projected in the future, which is what they did with Grant, Davis, Hearns, Rowe, and even to a lesser extent, Xavier Howard. And I think one more guy this offseason makes sense to join that list of players. To me, Devon Godshaw would be next in line for a contract extension. And we'll talk about the defense more on tomorrow's podcast and preview the Senior Bowl defensive positions on the podcast, possibly with Kevin Dern. Today's more about the offense. And with that, we change gears over to a podcast that is hosted on the official Miami Dolphins platform, the Audible podcast with John Kengemi and Kim Camper, And those guys do such a great job giving us insights. And I found one the other day that was particularly interesting to me with regards... To the offensive system we might see under Chan Gailey here in Miami. I'll go ahead and play the 37 second sound clip for you here, guys, from the Audible. To me, I like the sim- the, the idea of sim- simplifying and saying, "Hey, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have we're going to have 10 running plays that we're going to work on nonstop, over and over and over and over and over again. Now we may run them out a lot of different looks, a lot of different formations, but when the ball snaps, they're all the same plays. But we're going to run them to perfection. We're going to run them and everybody's going to know what they're going to have to do. Everybody going to know their job and it's just let it go and, and, and play that way. Rather than saying hey, we got we got we got our game plan, we got 35 <laughs> runs and we got 32 passes So that prompted me, as I am wont to do, to go do some research in regards to what Chan Gailey's offenses looked like in the past, and also how we can match that idea to the personnel in Miami, and the first thing I thought about was the fact that basically all of the Dolphins' passing success, and they didn't really have rushing success, we can just leave that in the rear view, but most of their passing success in December and late down the stretch came through guys just winning their one-on-one matchups, whether it was Devontae Parker taking down 50-50 balls, or Mike Gesicki getting mismatches on linebackers' up the seam or up the sideline or in the middle of the field or albert wilson getting jet sweep action or screen passes or short hookup routes and making plays that way it got me thinking about the jets and bills offenses when chan gailey was there his last two stops in the national football league and the players they preferred and it would make sense that you would favor players in those type of systems the ones that rely on just the jimmies and joes getting their jobs done you want players with elite athletic profiles or guys that are good mismatch pieces the 2015 jets only drafted one offensive player within the top 100 picks and that was Devin Smith who destroyed the combine that year in Indianapolis they traded for Brandon Marshall a proven mismatch for smaller corners I'll never forget the debates over Brandon Marshall up against Cortland Finnegan in that game against the Bears I want to say 2014 against the Bears in Chicago the Jets also already had Eric Decker an unconventional slot receiver at six foot three 215 pounds usually they're a lot smaller than that and that year for Decker, he had the fifth most catches and fifth most yards from the slot. The only significant offensive addition in 2016 after their surprise 2015 season was Kellen Davis, the tight end, who Lance Zerline once called, quote, the most physically imposing tight end in this entire draft, end quote. When Gailey got to Buffalo way back in 2010, his first draft pick was CJ Spiller, a back that many thought was going to be the next Reggie Bush. He clocked a 4.3740-yard dash at the Combine and was a great pass catcher at Clemson. And then in 2011, the next offseason, they brought in a dual-purpose, quarterback slash wide receiver slash Cordell Stewart type of clone, or at least that was the hope with him in Brad Smith, and that guy too blew up the combine. So prototypes, athletic marvels, mismatched pieces that can cause problems over and over and over again against the defense without having to substitute and going from multiple packages, whether it's 12, 11, or 10 personnel, despite not making substitutions, to me, that will be the idea, and I have a player specifically in mind from this week's Senior Bowl And we're going to preview the week of practices at Mobile on the offensive side on the podcast today. But first, before we get into that, do you ever find yourself wishing you had the same libido from your senior year of college? Now, unlike Neo, you should take the blue pill when it's blue chew. Listen up, fellas. BlueChew.com, that's blue, like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, game day practices in the Matrix, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. This isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. BlueChew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctors visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, chew.com, promo code MLB to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. future is bright for all these kids that are going to step on the field in Mobile this week at the Senior Bowl. I keep on referencing it. It truly is one of my favorite times of the entire year, the entire week of practices down in Mobile. And I'm hoping next year I can be at the practices. Was hoping to get out there this year. It's not going to happen, but still, I get to scout them from the DVR on my television. Three straight days of aired practices on the NFL Network. I absolutely love watching that stuff. Going back with the rewind button, checking out who did what, how these guys moves, how they match up versus contact, how they match up versus some of the premier college players in the country, small school guys stepping up in competition, the top of the line school guys going up against fellow top of the line guys. You just cannot top this week from an evaluation standpoint, unless I guess the college football playoff. But to me, this is a very close second. And a quick disclaimer here off the top, I was projecting the best possible fits at each position for the Dolphins that are going to be on the field this week. In Mobile, and I want to make it abundantly clear off the top right here. At the quarterback position, for instance, I took Justin Herbert and Jordan Love off the list in terms of guys I think Miami's going to be after because I fully believe the Dolphins are going after Tua Tungavailoa. And if that's the case, then Herbert and Love with the 18th pick, they're going to be off the board anyway, but I think that they're going to be out of contention for the Dolphins in that first round. So just that disclaimer off the top, want to get it out there. Let's go ahead and talk about these quarterbacks first. Anthony Gordon, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love, Steven Montez, and Shea Patterson are your six quarterbacks out there. A loaded group there in the top four. I think Gordon, Herbert, and Love are the best of the bunch. Hurts, we know what he can do running the football. Probably not going to be a top-of-the-line passing quarterback. But I put Anthony Gordon, the Washington State go Cougs quarterback, as the best Finns fit here. And you can feel free to call me a homer, that's certainly fine, but I think that Gordon's where he lands in this draft on day three paired with the upside and the fact that Miami maybe will draft a backup quarterback kind of like Washington did with RG3 and Kirk Cousins back in the day I think Gordon makes the most sense to try to develop behind a quarterback like Tua Tonga vailoa behind a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick has one of the livest arms in the entire draft has plus athleticism makes some of the craziest anticipation throws you're going to see and can throw it from a variety of platforms without sacrificing accuracy like he can have bad mechanics and still be on point, both in anticipation, accuracy, and velocity. But the reason that he could be available on day three and likely will be a Saturday pick is because of the inconsistencies in his decision making. This dude cost us some games. When I say us, I mean the Washington State Cougars. He cost them some games this year by those bad decisions. The Apple Cup was a terrible tape for him. But he doesn't lack confidence. He'll rip tight windows and it results in some absolutely gorgeous balls. But he will put his offense in harm's way way too often because of that. And that's why he's a day three pick. And to me, he comes on here as the fit for the Dolphins as a back slash developmental type of quarterback because he played in the air raid system, which gives you so many reps and allows you to see so many coverages and different defenses. And I think that will bode well for his development once he gets to the league. And I think the Dolphins will have an offense somewhat similar to a spread out attack that goes empty a lot. And that's what Gordon played in. I want to watch him in the team period red zone work this week because those condensed areas, faster players, tighter spaces, it's going to challenge the way he sees the defense. I want to see how he grows throughout the week in that area. And the quarterback I'm keeping an eye on outside of Anthony Gordon, and I'm going to watch all these guys, don't get me wrong, is Steven Montez. He's a big dude, big arm, athletic quarterback quarterback. Those check the boxes for what Brian Flores and Chris Greer are like at the position. So quarterbacks will be interesting. Running backs, this group to me, not as much pop as it's had in the past. Darius Anderson from TCU. Eno Benjamin from Arizona State. Jamichael Hasty from Baylor. Joshua Kelly from UCLA. Zach Moss from Utah. LaMichael P. Ryan from Florida. And Keyshawn Vaughn. From Vanderbilt, to me, the best fits fit in that group is a guy I've been talking about all year long, Zach Moss from Utah. We saw the Dolphins running backs fail to create yardage on their own behind the line of scrimmage last year over and over again, and that's how you wind up with a 37-year-old quarterback leading your team in rushing yards. We saw Kenyon Drake and Mark Walton. They could do it for the most part, sometimes not consistently, and I think Miles Gaskin fits that bill a little bit later in the season on a small sample size, but watching Kalen Bellage and Patrick Laird attempt to do the same thing, that was hard on the eyes and that's where Zach Moss comes in because this guy can pretty much eliminate angles behind the line of scrimmage for a guy that's his size that runs as hard as he does and as powerful as he does, he can cut on a dime and it really erases those angles and allows him to bounce off tacklers with such ease, especially when you consider his patience and his balance and the good, smooth footwork that he has. I think this guy can Really resurrect a running game that maybe doesn't always get the best run blocking and ideally Miami will fix the offensive line to get that but this guy can really cover up a lot of warts in your running scheme so I like his fit for Miami I think he's a possible day two pick maybe 56th pick back end of the second round and if you pick him there to me he's the starting tailback And he might be one of the last guys of that group of four, five, or six guys you would project as starting tailbacks at the next level. So to me, if you draft him with that pick, you maybe pair him with a veteran, a mid-level free agent veteran signing to be a 1A, 1B type of situation, which could be like a Deion Lewis if he gets cut from the Tennessee Titans. The area of intrigue this week for me is his one-on-one pass catching. He had two years where he didn't catch footballs at all in the Utah offense, but two years where he had like 30 catches each of those years. But I just like watching these one-on-one pass catching drills because it shows you the way these guys move in space gives them a two-way go it's telling of their ability to create separation as flexed out receivers and if Moss can do that and nail that test both here and at the combine he's going to rocket up the boards another back I'm keeping an eye on is Eno Benjamin from Arizona State good vision instinctive nature hard nosed running back but he hasn't done anything in the passing game and that's why I think he gets knocked down to the day three pick and number two running back for me here in Mobile for a Dolphins fit at the running back position the receivers in this game, Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool, Courtney Davis, Devin DuVernay, Brian Edwards, Antonio Gandy-Golden, Antonio Gibson, KJ Hill, Van Jefferson, Jawan Jennings, Colin Johnson, Kalijah Lipscomb, Denzel Mims, Michael Pittman Jr., and James Prosh. To me, the best fit here for Miami. We're looking pretty much exclusively at slot receivers because you all know that I have believed that Preston Williams and Devontae Parker could be the future of perimeter receivers, the best one-two punch in the NFL if what they showed this year is actually what we're going to get in the future. So Miami, even with Albert Wilson, Alan Hearns, and Isaiah Ford, maybe they could use an upgrade at the slot receiver position, but it probably won't come until day three, and that's why I put Devin DuVernay in here. He's not going to explode with his quickness off the line in terms of the way he gets releases, but my goodness, this dude can flat scoot when it comes to going straight, but also breaking tackles in the open field. He has world-class track speed, and he combines that with a thick frame, which makes him a tough tackle. There's a great video of him running through a tackle of great- Grant Delpit in that Texas LSU game. I would check that out if I was you guys. He can be a weapon on handoffs, pop passes, a variety of the short game work that you see with Albert Wilson to help him unlock his rack abilities. He had the best slot numbers across the country, or across the board in the country this year in college football. He catches everything, big strong hands can catch it away from his body, and that helps him in contested catches. To me, he's an early fourth round pick, an early day three pick. So you might have to use the Juwan James pick to get him if he slides that far me, he fits in as a slot slash specialty package receiver on this offense for the reasons I already listed. His area of intrigue is going to be the red zone one-on-one situations because that's going to be the best way you can test his hip and ankle tightness that really limits him from a release standpoint to get off that press coverage. A lot of the routes he's going to run can get him free access because you can avoid the jams with having him off the line of scrimmage, or you can motion him and use him in different alignments that can give him the free access, but it's always good to be able to beat press, and this is the best. Drill to find out if he can. A guy to keep an eye on is Courtney Davis of Texas A&M. He's more Jarvis Landry-like in the sudden movement and the good route running ability. He drew comparisons to Debo Samuel from Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network for his body control and industrious route running, like no wasted movement in his game, and his position versatility. He ran routes from every spot on that offense. Will certainly intrigue the Miami Dolphins. Now, the tight end position, I teased this in the first segment talking about Chan Gailey's system and what player on the this week in Mo could really exemplify that system. He's a tight end. Harrison Bryant from FAU, Josiah Deguara from Cincinnati, Bryson Hopkins, Sean McKeon, Jared Pinkney. Steven Sullivan, a small school product from Portland State named Charlie... Tao Mopay, I hope I got that right. But the guy I was talking about is Adam Troutman from the Dayton Flyers, Kevin Dern's alma mater, friend of the podcast. He is the best Dolphins fit, not because he can block, and I do think Miami needs an inline blocking tight end if Durham Smythe is not going to be that guy, but the fact that he can basically be a Mike Gesicki on steroids and give you the ultimate flexibility in the spread offenses that Chan Gailey used to run with the Jets and Bills because you can go with Gasicki and Troutman on the field and you're seamless from 11 to 12 to 10 personnel. You can stay in that same personnel package and run a variety of sets and go flexed out, empty set with two tight ends who basically act as receivers. I mean, Troutman, Williams, Parker, and Gasicki, good luck. Pick your poison defense. He's a former basketball player. He's got limited experience, so hopefully he can grow and develop in that way in his pass blocking and run blocking. But he He is just so explosive and so much bigger and imposing than his his, uh, counterpart across from him. And he's also a significant chess piece. They used him on H-back, shovel passes, little throws underneath the formation, handoffs inside and around, a little bit of a trick offense. You can watch his tape on the LockedOnDolphins.com article. I posted a video from Ben Fennell. Great stuff there. But I think this guy is probably a day three pick, rounds four through six. His best fit on the roster is a developmental tight end and joker position. Go back and watch Quincy a Noonwal with the Jets. He filled that Joker role in Chan Gailey's offense, catching those shovel passes, taking those end arounds. And Troutman, in addition to that, can get vertical and really help your offense be disguised between personnel packages. In addition to Mike Gasicki. the tight end we're keeping an eye on is Josiah DeBlara from Cincinnati. More well-rounded, a more technically sound player, but not the elite physical traits you'll see with a guy like Adam Troutman. We're going to come back and talk about the offensive line in this game, give you the best fit there as well as Recap Championship Sunday. But first, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Dolphins is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Dolphins fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listeners, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Dolphins fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with a disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Dolphins podcast. Local fans love to support business. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We're looking forward to hearing from you. I would never shortchange you guys and leave a position off of the preview of Senior Bowl or any other positional preview we do here on the Locked on Dolphins podcast, taking another deep dive into some of the needs of the Miami Dolphins and some of the potential resources out there they could use to go get help at these positions. And we go right back into the offensive line here at the Senior Bowl. And this list is long because there are five positions on the offensive line. Trey Adams, Hakeem, Adenji, Adenji, Tremaine Ankrum, Ben Barch, Ben Bredesen, Lloyd Cushenberry, Nick Harris, Matt Hennessy, Justin Justin, Justin Harrison, Huron Haran, Jonah Jackson, Josh Jones, Shane Lemieux, Damian Lewis, Colton McKivitz, Matt Pert, Tyree Phillips, John Simpson. Terrence Steele Logan Stenberg Alex Taylor and Prince Tego Wanagu the best fit of that group is Josh Jones from the Houston Cougars football program and never mind the fact that the additions the Dolphins made at the offensive line or specifically at tackle this offseason were either bottom tier free agents or AAF products or other players with less than inspiring track records the Dolphins told us they prefer length size and athleticism at the tackle position last year with those moves and Josh Jones from Houston checked all those boxes he has the pitter-pat sweet feet he can really dominate players when he gets his hands on that effective first strike really allows him to engulf the edge and pretty much end the rep for the defensive player across from him. And it also allows him to reposition and adjust his angle accordingly on that second effort, the length, the smooth feet. They both allow him to recover and pass protection when he does lose the initial hand fight. And the only thing keeping Jones from a top 15 selection is the lack of technical refinement in his game. He does need some work. Ideally, you can get Jones in the top of round two, but tackles are kind of like quarterbacks these days. Not so much so they get pushed the top 10, but guys always get pushed up into the back end of that first round, like Caleb McGarry last year and Tyus Howard, for instance as it gives you the benefit of the fifth-year option to keep an expensive player cheaper on your team for an extra year. And so because of that, I think Jones probably has to be selected with the 26th pick in the first round. Where he fits is your starting left tackle. The Dolphins' biggest need is left tackle, even more so than future franchise quarterback, a complete vacancy of edge rushers or defensive back help. The left tackle position killed more plays this year than any group for the Miami Dolphins. So using a first-round pick on Jones or somebody else puts that player in the starting lineup from day one when Miami opens up training camp. The area of intrigue this week it's always going to be the same for me on the offensive line the pit drill. It really tests a guy's ability to redirect, to get that vertical kick slide going first and early and it tests their athletic ability to work deep, to work back inside. Love watching that drill. The player to keep an eye on at this group to me. Talked about him all year long. Oregon's left guard Shane Lemieux checks all the boxes. Smart instinctive. Can catch and climb and combo blocks in the running game. Does not get fooled by any stunts or twists or games or exotic blitzes and a big reason for that he has a start streak that lasts four years at Oregon the Dolphins love that in their offensive linemen the reliability to be there for the team every single week so go check out the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com taking a look at the offensive preview of the Senior Bowl as those practices kick off on Tuesday in Mobile we'll have coverage all week long of the practice but first let's go ahead and recap Championship Sunday that just wrapped up And when I say wrapped up, I mean halftime of the NFC Championship game as once again, that game turns into a boat race as under Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers just outflanking the Packers relentlessly on those wide zone runs, but also mixing it up with a mixture of those zone runs, but also the man and gap schemes they ran against the Packers to run it down their throat, take the ball away from Rodgers. He looks punch drunk back there behind that Packers line. Pretty interesting to see Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers look so overwhelmed as they do in that NFC Championship game. So it looks like we're getting the 49ers up against the Kansas City Chiefs, and really, quite frankly, I know this sounds hyperbolic, or maybe a little bit too early to claim him this, but it's Patrick Mahomes, not the best quarterback you've ever seen from a physical trait standpoint, and the ability to be able to play fast and against pressure, and knowing where the ball has to come out, and combining that with his physical traits that are just off the charts in terms of the legs, the arm, the off script, the on schedule throws. The guy's ridiculous. He looks like a multiple Super Bowl winner in his career, if you ask me. The end of the ride for Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, and you saw some of the shortcomings in Tannehill's game in that loss against the Chiefs. He still struggles to get off the spot against heavy pressure, especially the blitzes up the middle, A and B gaps that the Titans could not get blocked. He also lacks urgency late in games, and in those situations where it's time to go and hurry up and take the chunks the defense gives you, he's just a little bit too on script and too by the book like I made a good reference to this to a buddy I was talking about the game with and said that Tannehill's going to pass the written test in terms of getting there and knowing the stuff that he studied prehand in terms of identifying the right fronts getting the team into the right run looks against those fronts and that's a big reason why the Titans had more running success was because of the way Tannehill operates at the line of scrimmage but you also see the shortcomings with the way he processes post snap some of the lack of touch throws down the field like that wheel route to Fursker, just some of the shortcomings that we saw in Miami popped up in this game but at the end of the day, I don't think it mattered because the Chiefs scored on five of seven drives, touchdowns that is, and the two drives they didn't score on, they just dropped passes on third down. So basically the Chiefs offense has been unstoppable since that 24-0 deficit against the Texans. And I know the Niners look just as good as the Chiefs do throughout the playoffs, but I just watched Patrick Mahomes and the things that he can do and the best game that he can play compared to what the best game that Jimmy Garoppolo plays. And it's got to be Chiefs all the way for me. This dude's going to be the roadblock in the AFC if the Dolphins want to get things turned around and become a championship contender. You're going to have to go through Arrowhead, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and find a way to defend that guy with the rush contain idea as far as staying in your rush lane and and containing Mahomes inside the pocket and forcing him to beat you from there. The Titans tried it. It did not work. They just did not have enough bodies getting after him out on the edge. So that's something to think about going forward in the AFC when this team does get rebuilt and is ready to compete for January's success. And of course, that rebuilding process begins this week in Mobile with the Senior Bowl. We had the offensive preview today. We have the defensive preview on tomorrow's podcast with special guest Kevin Dern talking some Dolphins defensive scheme and some players we like this week in Mobile. So check that out. Check out the LockedOnDolphins.com website. We have plenty of Senior Bowl content for you guys there with videos and breakdowns on all these players and, of course, the practice reports as we go on throughout the week. But let's go ahead and sign off on this show. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins and keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at Dolphins. Dolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.